What is up, everyone? Welcome into episode two of the Front Stretch Happy Hour. My name is Trey Lyle. I'm joined once again by my co-host, Dalton Hopkins and Michael Massey. And then we're also joined the fourth, uh, the second time, our fourth rotating guest, as we mentioned last week. He is the boss man, Tom Bowles, the founder and CEO. We'll just make it sound bigger than it is of FrontStretch.com. Tom, welcome onto the podcast. And my my first question for you is simple, and we all want to know this. It's obvious since you brought me on the latest that I am your favorite, and you can just confirm that right now. I I love you so much. I'm ending this after two episodes. How does it feel, Trey, to have been part of a project that lasts for just two weeks? I knew that was exactly what's going to happen. That's why you're here. So it's it's okay. I'm I've accepted it, and uh, I, I'm ready to uh, you know just make this the best one yet since it's the last one. That's one more episode longer than I thought it was going to last. So I feel like we made that a, is real a fair end. point. I'm yeah. shocked you didn't call me last yeah. week to fire me. I just, I'm really shocked. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like what? It's two episodes longer than what? Like Big Daddy's Barbecue ever sponsored a car. You know, you remember that like way back in the day, they tried to sponsor like five different cars and then they never actually did. So, I mean, you know, you lasted longer than some things. Can we say we lasted just as long as Austin Dillon's TV show? Ooh. probably got more viewers is that is it canceled though is it i, I haven't seen I, a second season i don't know well speaking of richard childress racing they had a pretty good <laughs> weekend this past week and they had a uh kyle bush get his second win of the season for the team and in ta- at talladega and simply put Kyle was i guess the last man standing in this i know it wasn't that great of an entertaining race but he kind of just, you know, similar to last year, was the guy on the bottom that stayed straight and ultimately got through the wreck first. What were your thoughts? Your guys' thoughts? Yeah, it was it was better than I was expecting because I like Daytona was kind of lame. Uh, you couldn't really get that third lane going. Uh, same with, with last fall, but they did have the third lane going, but it was because they had to save fuel. So when the the bottom line would save fuel, the top two lanes would start going. So that's the bottom, that's what we need to do for plate races. Apparently, is just give them like half a tank of fuel every run and make them manage it. How deflating was that, guys? That was so NASCAR 2023, where third lane was coming in, and I was getting all excited. I was like, finally, we have some real racing going on, and it doesn't seem like you know the draft in slow motion is happening. And then everybody got out of their cars and they were like, nah, we just really weren't going 100. percent Guys that were third lane, that's the only reason why you had that. Couldn't really pass. Really hated it. Not exactly your normal Talladega. It was just like, man, what a bummer that was. My viewing experience was probably like so much different from what your guys's were. I was watching it from an airport, uh, from a, a eating establishment in an airport. I asked them to change it to the to the race there, and all I really saw the whole day was double file racing, and that's pretty much what I was expecting because that's what we saw last year. So, uh, it's not terrible. Uh, at least we're not uh, junking cars the entire race. Instead, we're just junking cars for the end of the race, and I'm sure we'll get more into that later on. But overall, typical Talladega, man. But that's how it is. Yeah, big for Kyle Busch. Get a second win of the year, and, uh, you know, he has more wins than JGR does combined. So uh, he's he's looking pretty good so far, if you want to call that a divorce. Time to go into our hot topics of the weekend. You know, after last week, he went last. He's like, Trey, I want to go first. My Milwaukee Bucks are just disappointing me so much. Aaron hey, Rodgers got traded. I mean, this has been a terrible week for me. I just, I need something good. So can I go first this week? And you know what? I, I said, go ahead, Michael. So, Mr. Massey, can you bring uh, what you want to the table? 
Well, first off, I want to say I'm happy about the trade because the Packers came out like gangbusters on that whole deal. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks are about to do a 3-1 comeback on a Miami Heat that uh, Jimmy Jimmy Butler had the best game of his career. It's all downhill from here. Back to NASCAR. Uh, So there were some big pileups. You had... you know, the, the Noah Gregson and Ross Chastain uh, dispute over real estate that ended up in a pileup uh, that had uh, Kyle Larson come flying back up the track. And Ryan Priest had, had got back on the accelerator and was going, you know, what, 170 or something when he made contact with Larson's right side. And it compromised the roll cage. It, that, I mean, it, that car was mangled. And Ryan Priest, we saw uh, the in-car of him. He was bouncing around. Uh, it knocked his visor up. I haven't seen a driver move that much in a car during a wreck in like 30 years. You'd have to look back at crashes like the 90s um, to, to see a driver kind of move around that much in the car. And NASCAR, quickly, they stepped up. And which, first off, I think the second they saw any kind of thing with the five car, they were already like, we're going to take this car back to the R&D Center just because of their whole war against Hendrick Motorsports. That's my tinfoil hat moment of the of the thing. Uh, but it they just did so take happened. Priest after the race, like way after the race. They're like, oh, that car too, we forgot. Oh, about yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess we'll also take Ryan Priest. Um, but in the hours since then, the days since then, it's kind of blown up into a bigger issue uh, about the, the safety. And I, I mean, I guess Kyle Larson and Ryan Priest are okay. So like the cars, the safety aspects did their jobs, but what do you guys think? Do you, where, where do you think we stand on the safety with these next gen cars? So I feel like in one way, this is no different than any other Talladega wreck, right? Like we always have a Talladega wreck, like maybe once every other year that we're all like, Oh my God, what the heck just happened? I'm so glad that guy walked out alive. I've never seen something like that happen. And so Part of me is like, oh, this is kind of a typical wreck. The other part of me is like, we have never seen the side of the car exposed like that. Do you guys remember Mark Martin's wreck at Michigan where like he he ended up like going sideways like his last year running, I want to say it was 2013. He was in the 55 car and then it like got loose on pit road, went sideways. And it was like a spear where like the inside of pit road, it just kind of like speared into his car. The only other time I remember seeing something like the five car after Dega. And I was like, all right, that was a, one of the hardest hits that I've seen since being a fan of the sport, covering the sport, you know, 30 years and B it just plays into this narrative that we've seen over this last six to eight months about safety and the next gen car. I don't know that we would be feeling as bad after Dega if we didn't just go through an entire playoff in Texas and the concussions and people wondering what the heck is going on with cars catching fire. And did they do the right tweaks in the off season to make this safer? You know, I think that's still fresh in everybody's head. And this is how 2023 builds on itself. It's like when you got a ball rolling down the hill, it's like you have one thing happening in your bad day and then a second thing happens, the third thing happens. You can't stop this bad news cycle. And there's no good or not enough good to push it out of everybody's head. And everybody's going, man, this was crazy wreck. Is the next gen really safe? Is the next time this happens, people are actually going to walk away from it? Yeah, it's uh, this car and safety has been a real issue. You know, with the concussion issue last year, obviously the rear clip gets changed. And, you know, that wreck was like so crazy. Everyone thought, and, you know, it's been pointed out there's more, you know, steel reinforcement on the driver's side. But, 
you know, Ryan Priest, and uh, you don't blame him for this, sped up. Like, he sped up. If you listen, you can clearly hear him speed up because he thought he could avoid it. It was a bad timing issue. But if he hit Larson's driver's side, this is a whole different conversation. And I mean that in terms of this could be a lot worse. So it's, you know, thankful that it's gotten, you know, safety has gotten a lot better in this sport. I think that's clear. And I think you're always going to have cases of, needed advancement and and you hope that you know nascar which you can't simulate a wreck like this um you're gonna have to kind of you know figure out what went wrong and and keep going from here there's a lot of developments that need to be done i i don't think you're gonna make a perfectly safe race car it's kind of impossible but i think nascar has gotten as close as they can to it and i think they do have a striving ability to keep making it safer I thought I was going to be the one that was going to give the the opinion that was going to spark a whole lot of uh, a backlash here. But Trey, actually, he kind of he kind of introduced it, what I was going to say. But listen, I, I, I want to ask you guys something. Massey already said it. Is Kyle Larson OK? Yeah. Like, is he is he yeah. is he medically He's shaken he okay? up? He, he was shaken up from it. He walked away, but he was shaken up. Of course he was. It was a hard hit. Is Ryan Priest OK? Yes. Think so? Yeah. I think they yeah. asked the medical. He, said, he, he, he did tell media after he got out that it was P one in the hardest hits that he's ever taken, and he's taken a lot of hits. He's a career race car driver. He's he's been around the block. So, look, can't sneeze at this at all. Obviously, that being said, it's like what Tom just said. Look at the Mark Martin crash at Michigan, and I remember that crash vividly because I watched that live and remember being freaked out because of the way the wall impaled his car. Let's go back to Ryan Newman in the Daytona 500. I think it was 2020 when he got hit by Corey LaJoy and everyone just, oh, my God. Like, I remember the media center was silent for a whole, like, two hours because we were waiting on what the condition of Ryan Newman was. This is racing, folks. The, I, need I remind y'all, this is Talladega, and they're traveling at speeds of over, I, I believe, over 185 miles an hour, probably 190 at that point. This is a dangerous sport, and it's always going to be. Safety will always be a concern, and we are never going to fix that. The concussion thing when it came to last year, I think is a completely separate issue. I think that's a whole different thing because the way that those concussions happened, it was at low speed. They back into the corner. They back into the wall, and it really shouldn't have hurt anybody, and they did. If you want to argue that's a that's a concern for the next-gen car, I completely 100% agree. But when it comes to this, the roll cage did its job. It stopped the impact from making it worse than it actually was. If it was the driver's side, I think that would have been a completely different different thing. But I don't really see that being any different from another car, from another car aside from the next-gen car. Ryan Priest, how, how fast was he going? 170 miles an hour? He sped up, right? Yeah. Probably 180. 180. I don't think any car would have stopped that. I mean, how do you, right? This is – the safety thing – we, you know, we want to be upset right now, but we have to accept the fact this is a dangerous sport, and we have. Well, to here's the problem, that. Dalton. You know, I went, listen. Glad for a different opinion to come in. I thought we were going to sponsor this whole podcast with Eeyore. It's going to get an umbrella and have it start raining up in this bitch. Everybody's giving all these crazy, like, well, horrible NASCAR is terrible. Twenty twenty three, another horrible race. Yes. Here we go. You know, like, but you know, here's here's the problem, Dalton. Because I agree with a lot of what you're saying. Like, we have a whole generation of drivers and fans that have grown up watching no one die. It's going to be straight up one honest. It's now 22 years since Dale Earnhardt passed away. Mm -hmm. So that means if you're a college senior right now, you were born in all likelihood, you might have been born after Dale Earnhardt died. 
and become a NASCAR fan for 10, 15 years, never seen anybody seriously injured in the way that you know, they're never going to come back. Never seen anybody die on the racetrack. You know, yeah, I mean, we have had people die in IndyCar and in other series and in like local dirt tracks and stuff like that. We've had Jason Leffler pass away, but Jason wasn't really full time. So like at the time of his his death. So it's NASCAR, you have a whole bunch of people and it's not just the fans, it's drivers. Drivers now, the expectation subconsciously, everybody knows this is a risk. Every race car driver will come out there and tell you, we know that we can die when we get in that race car. And everybody was freaked out during the Ryan Newman crash. Everybody was really affected by that. But at the end of the day, Ryan Newman's now healthy. Ryan Newman's doing just fine. And I think there is this lull to sleep thing that's only natural when it's been 20 plus years. I think the expectation is, and I think it should be the expectation, even though it's impossible to prevent, that we don't have anybody die in this car. And so God forbid something happens if somebody does get seriously hurt, because you're right, the risk is always there. You can't ever make the risk 0%. But it feels like 0%. Because and you're, 100% you're, you're 100% right. I, I, I agree with that. I think a lot of people, like we have become spoiled. Look at me. I'm 25 years old. When when Dale Earnhardt passed away, I'm too young to remember that, genuinely. I, I mean, I, I really don't remember that. I remember, my, I remember my dad crying over it, but I don't remember anything about that race at all. I, I, don't, I didn't really grow up with Dale Earnhardt. But I do remember the IndyCar race with Dan Weldon at Las Vegas and then the Justin Wilson at Pocono. I also remember uh, Jules Bianchi at Suzuka with the F1 race. NASCAR, I believe, is the safest motorsport in the world. But like you said, Tom, it's still motorsport. It, this is this is dangerous stuff. We haven't seen a death in, in a long time it, since Dale Earnhardt. Again, what was it, 22 years? Yeah, 22 years since the passing of Dale Earnhardt, the unfortunate passing of Dale Earnhardt. And it, it, it's difficult to convey to fans with how safe it is nowadays hey, this is still dangerous. These guys can still get hurt. But let me counter that. Look at all the injuries we've had. Not deaths, but injuries. Look at Kyle Busch. Look at Chase Elliott. Or, no, that was a ski accident. But look at a lot. Of, <laughs> right. But look at Kyle Busch. Not in a race car. In 2015. Not Chase Hamlin Elliott, breaking the snowboarding thing. <laughs> but but look, at, look at Kyle Busch in 2015. Broke his leg. It, 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 compound fracture, by the way. Like how disgusting, how ooh, how scary must have that have been? And I think what what you were saying, like what you just said with Ryan Newman, that was a wake up call to a lot of people, myself included. That was a wake up call to a lot of people. And I think if we get those scares like that every once in a while, as long you know, and nobody gets killed, you know, hopefully, you know, all things considered, as long as you know we stay like it the way it is right now, you know everyone's going to realize, hey, this is still a dangerous sport, but it's very difficult to put that in the minds of these younger fans, and I agree with that. I, hey, you are, go ahead, Nasi. I was going to say, the first race I ever went to, Jerry Nadeau wrecks in practice and never races again, nearly died. So that, as a 10-year-old, is seared into my brain as forever that these cars are dangerous and you get killed doing it. I will say, I'm not a doctor, I'm no medical expert, so I'm just going to talk out of my ass. For what? Second. You aren't? <laughs> I mean, that's I what you usually do. I got to cancel my appointment, I guess, with you. I was going to say, I got to cancel my appointment. I know my, I have a thriving, uh, you know, doctor business on the side, but I don't actually have a degree. Uh, but my understanding from what I've heard from people over the years is that you can take a certain amount of hits. And it's like after a certain time, it starts taking a toll, like Neil Bonnet he had exhausted the amount of hits of like brain injuries and stuff 
He could, well, that's like, like football. Same thing. Yeah. As, well, it's also like you see that in like fighting. Like a guy has right. a chin up to some point before he gets knocked out, and then once it happens, right. it kind of happens more often. So my point is though that Kurt Busch last year had several hard hits where he cleared the infield care center. Then all of a sudden, Pocono sent him over the edge. Are we sure long term that Kyle Larson and Ryan Priest are okay from this? I'm going to throw something pretty ballsy out there. Kyle Busch since 2015 hadn't won a play race, right? And do you think, yeah, do you think that like Kyle Busch was basically like, you know what? Got my championships, got my wins. It's not worth it to put myself in that position anymore because I felt what it was to get hurt at Daytona and Talladega. Total crapshoot. Don't want to be a part of getting flipped. And I'm going to play it a little safe. Do you guys think that there was a part of that that's in his head? And let me tell you something that's different than previous generations because that would have never entered Dale Earnhardt's head. Yeah, I mean, he, I've heard he that theory before. Guys, go, he let um, Blaney and Bubba go at the end because he knew he'd have another crack at him, live to fight another day. So, yeah, there's something to that. And I don't, well, I don't blame Bush if that's the case, you know, because it is a crapshoot and it is kind of like the way the package is a little Russian roulette as to who's going to win at the end. And there's a lot of dangerous crashes. And if you had that serious injury, it, it changes your perspective, right? But I do find that interesting. And Kyle was pretty open about that, that he wasn't going to push it in a way that other people were pushing it. Well, I'm going to try to keep the slim chances I have of keeping this job by having the boss man go second. So, Tom, uh, what do you bring into uh, to the to the table this uh, this evening or whenever you're you're listening to this podcast? <laughs> um, so I, I I see what is is written on here. Um, are, are we doing the thing that starts with P next? Is that is that what I'm supposed to bring up? Uh, I'm new here. You're doing the Ross Chastain thing that you. Proposed. I'm doing the Ross Chastain thing. Wow. Oh, that's exciting. Um, Show show us how much I prepped beforehand, right? We have the list on, we have the list on hand. You're supposed to pretend that you didn't see it there. You're supposed to pretend that, oh yeah, no, I totally had this in in my mind. You're going inside baseball in episode two, but that's okay. We have a great podcast. After the show of my experience here, like, you know, I'll, I'll make a suggestion that maybe you can like text me like five seconds before, and then maybe I'll actually look there, you know, like uh, just, just, just a note for next time. Um, so, so so meanwhile we got Brian Nolan making edits in our rundown sheet who's not even on the show this week. That's uh, right. Wait, all right. The podcast is already <laughs> recording and Brian's like saying he's not available and yet he's in our rundown literally making edits right now. All right. This episode's been so much more calm without him already. I I'm, I'm not had to use the bleep button at all. I'm not going to I'll make you feel at home. All right, so I'm going to restart, introduce the topic, and we'll just cut all this part out. You don't have to. You don't have to. I think it's okay. I like it. All right, keep it. All right. So, Tom, what are you you proposing that you you did tell us that you wanted us to add to the list? So, I will say you did come up with this idea. So, I know. I had the idea. I I just didn't know if that was the one that was picked. So, okay. Here's my thing with Ross Chastain right now. Is Ross Chastain the closest thing we have to Dale Earnhardt? At the moment. And look, I understand that right now he doesn't have the cred, right? He hasn't won in a year. I know some, that might be a little hard to believe, seeing he was runner up in the championship last year. He's in the mix pretty much every race. If he's not in the mix for the win, he's in the mix for controversy at the end of the race because somebody's mad at him. Eric Almarola was mad after Dega. But here's my point with Ross. You, the latest incident, Noah Gragson gets spun out. 
Almirola gets a flat tire. Chastain's trying to squeeze it in NASCAR overtime. I thought it was a very borderline move. Some of Ross's moves, I think, are not too aggressive. I think that's just racing. And then this move I thought was a little too ballsy, right? Like he came in in NASCAR overtime and like just was trying to really push the issue and really the hole wasn't there. And he could have caused a much bigger wreck than he did and still sent, you know, Braxton into a pretty scary hit into the wall. But, you know, the problem that I have is, you know, what happens with Ross now? Um, why is nobody actually retaliating for this? Why? Oh, sorry. I thought everybody disappeared. Um, no, I was making you a solo shot. I was trying to like work on the video. You were talking to yourself so, for a second see, there. This, this Trey, Trey definitely, you know, needs 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 to needs to work on his camera shot. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's on. Well, me. I was, I was making you a solo like, shot to make it easier on you. Yeah, this whole well, show I, I like, think like, everybody left the chat. This is I, me I like seeing stuff. everybody else's face. This yes. whole show is like right, if you're watching a movie, that again. I was trying. I was trying some things. So well, I'll so go first you, on this. Let's go back to topic. Um, yes. So can, wait, can I finish? So all oh, I was going to say is Ross Chastain. This must be like the fifteenth different accident that he's caused, right? And all we've seen is, in terms of retaliation, is Denny Hamlin retaliating twice. Once last summer at Pocono, which seemed pretty legit to try and even things out, and one weird thing on the last lap at Phoenix in overtime that didn't really mean anything in the spring, instead of getting back at him in Martinsville in the fall, where if he had bumped him out of the way and made sure he didn't make Phoenix, nobody in the garage would have even batted an eyebrow. So everybody seems to be complaining about Ross Chastain's aggression, but nobody seems to be doing anything about it on the racetrack. Everybody's just seemingly letting it happen. And, you know, that's the way it was with Earnhardt in the 80s. It, it, Earnhardt would just go around and just wreck everybody and everybody would be like, they complain about it, but they wouldn't do anything. Let me slide in here and uh, take the first topic. Uh, I'll go first. Go ahead, um, go ahead. You get it slide because if you watch the video, I slid down and get more comfortable. Um, <laughs> well, uh, you see, I, I it's hard to say he's Dale Earnhardt uh, because it's Dale Earnhardt. He won. Ross has won, what, two rate two? How many races he won in his career? Like two in the Cup Series, what, one in the Xfinity Series, two in the Xfinity Series, and what? Three in the trucks hasn't won a championship. I don't know if you can call him the next Dale Earnhardt. I always thought it'd be Kyle Busch because he was kind of brat, like because of his brashness, he did wreck people, um, and he was unapologetic about it. It's hard to go that far, it, you know. Maybe like a Tim Richmond, or I, you know, it's it's hard to say. Like it's such a hard comparison because of the cars and things, but I it, it I don't know if I can go that far if he's the next Dale Earnhardt. I'm with it. It is his third year in the Cup Series. In Dale Earnhardt's third year in the Cup Series, he went winless. He had ownership change. Uh, you know, when Ross joined, it was Chip Ganassi. Now it's Trackhouse. Uh, granted, Trackhouse and J.D. Stacy, who uh, bought Dale Earnhardt's team, way different situations. Uh, but ultimately, it led to Dale getting with a better team and Richard Childress racing down the road. Uh, it led to Ross so getting to a better team. Yep, exactly, exactly. So both are primed. Uh, both uh, take advantage of the fact that I've been preaching for a while now. NASCAR drivers are all talk, no action. They're all a bunch of little wimpy babies. They won't do nothing. Of, you know, if they say they're going to do something, they ain't going to do it. All talk, no action. So Ross, Ross, you know, you need a shark like that, like Ross or Dale Earnhardt, to just take advantage of the little minnows out there uh, that are, that, you know, can't uh, defend themselves. I'll agree with Tom too. Oh, I'll wow, agree that. 
I, I you you are. He, I think he is. Listen, so a few years ago, I used to think that Brad Keselowski, when, but way back when he was in the Nationwide Series or what was considered the Nationwide Series, now it's the Xfinity Series, of course. But back when he was, you know, racing for JRM and he was wrecking every Cup Series driver that would enter and every Joe Gibbs Racing Cup Series driver, I used to consider him as the new Dale Earnhardt because he was just that guy. He was almost the intimidator. He just made rivals with just about everybody. But there is something that Ross Chastain has that makes him a little bit more like Dale Earnhardt than Brad Keselowski. And that's because look at what Dale Earnhardt used to do, the way he used to present himself. If he would wreck a driver, if he would, you know, spin a driver out or something like that, you know, whoever it is, he would just pat him on the back and say, hey, man, I'm sorry about that. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean to do that at all. Brad Keselowski didn't do that. Ross Chastain, however, kind of does do that. Look at what happened with Denny Hamlin last year at Gateway. Denny Hamlin and Chase Elliott last year at Gateway. Ross immediately goes to the media and apologizes. He says, hey, I'm sorry. That's on me. I shouldn't have done that. That was stupid of me. Shouldn't have, shouldn't have done it. I was just dumb all day long. But And that's how he's been ever since. I don't think I have seen him take – I don't think I have seen him outwardly say he meant to wreck somebody aside from maybe Kevin Harvick at Darlington. And that was in the Xfinity series, of course a few years ago. I think that's the only time I've actually ever seen him do that. And I'm sure somebody knows a different time than me, but I, and then look at the stats. Like Massey just said, Dylan Hart's first, it wasn't really a full-time year because it was 27 out of 31 races, but that he raced, but Dylan Hart won one race in 1979. Ross Chastain in his second, in this, in his second full-time year with track house racing, won two and almost won the championship. Dale Earnhardt did win the championship in 1980. So I think Ross Chains, or excuse me, Ross Chastain is on that track to be, excuse me, or I should say, on that track house to be that. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I'm punny. Oh, look at me. Oh, it's hard. It's hard for me to say Dale Earnhardt. I mean, this is one of the greatest drivers. Like, it's, you can't compare it. He's one of the greatest no, no, no. drivers in the history of the Fred, sport. I'm going to stop you right there because I agree. Dale Earnhardt is the greatest driver, the greatest NASCAR driver of all time. And that could be a whole can of worms that we can open in a different episode. But I agree. He is the greatest driver of all time, the greatest NASCAR driver of all time. And I see some of him in Ross Chastain. I really do. He's, he's a farmer. He's a farmer. Dale I was going to say is Dale Earnhardt, and, and I thought about this more, Dale Earnhardt was the blue-collar guy. Like, that's who he was. He had a rant, and that's who Ross is. So I, I do see the comparisons. I just want more from Ross. Like, I want to see more from Ross. If Ross pull, you know, does what he did last year and gets the championship four, then I would agree with you guys. But we've seen comparisons of great athletes before, and it failed miserably. I think a really good example is Tom's Philadelphia 76ers and how people said Ben Simmons is the next LeBron James. Well, Ben Simmons can sits down on the bench as much as I do or plays basketball as much as I do for the Brooklyn Nets. Like, let's let's take some let's give it some time, people. Well, blue collar in 2023 is a lot different than blue collar in the 80s. Exactly. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, by the way, I mean, I thought they would have saved the show, but like Farmer wants a wife. You put Ross Chastain on there. Maybe, maybe it would have lasted a little longer than Austin Dillon show. Maybe it would have gotten like five or six <laughs> more viewers than you know, what happened with Austin Dillon show. Um, you know, I, by the way, Trey, I want you to be informed. There is a dog's butt in the other half of your camera shot. You really need to work on your it. camera. It's a good boy. I have well, my friends out, girl. I can't and uh, that's, her, that's their dog. So, gotcha. Metaphor for this show. Is it a he or a she? 
the dog's a he. That's a he. He's a good boy. Look at him wag his tail. Oh, oh, he's getting up. Weird. Yeah, I, said, I, I mean, if, if he does his business in the background, I mean, that's you're never going to live that down. I'm going to tell you that. Right well, <laughs> if if I was at home with my dog Hokey, who is, uh, he would he would probably be barking mid episode. So we, this might be better. <laughs> so listen, I'm going to make one more point on this because um, I thought everybody made really good points. Ross is like the 2023 version of as blue collar as we're going to get in NASCAR, right? What is one of the big complaints right now in the sport? Well, too many people with daddy's money have rides, not really relatable. You know, daddy's got the money to make sure that they stay in there no matter what. And that's why they're in the Xfinity series, the truck series, even in one or two cases, the cup series. But Ross worked hard to get up there. And Ross Dalton made a great point. Just the type of thing, Dale Earnhardt with Terry Labonte at Bristol. Oh, I just meant to rattle his cage a bit. Yeah, he's not as beloved in the garage as Earnhardt was, but he does the same type of thing where he says, I'm sorry, and he basically dares them, get back at me. And no one does. So he's going to keep doing what he's doing until someone tells him to stop. We've seen this with so many other drivers before, from Greg Biffle to Joey Logano. But the difference with Ross, for whatever reason, nobody actually goes after him. Yeah, he just needs to grow a mustache, right? And that might do it. Ross is a different kind of driver than what we have seen in the last few years, and it's almost refreshing. I think we talked, Massey, I think Trey was there too. We all talked about uh, a couple weeks ago about how a lot of these drivers come up on money, you know, and some of them come up on money and talent and we'll, we'll both agree. Joey Logano, Kyle Larson, guys like that. But Ross Chastain was that guy that really didn't have the sponsorship and he really didn't have the backing. And he got here on talent alone and he waited and he waited and he waited and he waited and he got all these opportunities and they just kept falling flat, kept falling flat. And now he's finally here. It's almost like he's a driver from the 80s because he didn't have the money to grow up and become a NASCAR driver right from the start, like a lot of guys do nowadays. I'm not saying he is Dale Earnhardt, but he is the closest thing we've got to him right now. I will say with Kevin Harvick retiring, like I think Ross could really fill that role of that old school driver. Um, he might not be the elder statesman. I think, you know, a Denny Hamlin will fill that. But like, you know, Kevin Harvick's probably as old school as you can get just because of how he came into the sport. Denny, Denny as well. Ironically, like Denny and Ross kind of their backstories are kind of similar, um, uh, which makes ironic how they're just so butting heads all the time. But uh, it'll be interesting to see the kind of role Ross plays as the years come up as kind of, I think that, you know, driver that, you know, fans can relate to the most, which ultimately is what you want in sports is people you can relate to that makes the stories. Yeah, you is the watermelon thing not masculine enough? Like, is that, that, that would trip people up? <laughs> I think national watermelon is great. Ross Chastain needs to come Harvick, out with a picture. Go ahead, Massey. I'm sorry. I would say you compare him to Kevin Harvick. Where's Bush beer rumored to go to next year? Over to Ross Chastain, so they see the same thing uh, that we're seeing. Go ahead, Ross Chastain needs to come out with a picture for social media, and it's just him shirtless with two watermelons over his over his arms <laughs> and like in overalls. That's that's, that's the ultimate photo. It's like him in the farm. Yeah, just, he just, like, just yoked. <laughs> great, great idea for Nolan for next week. Um, we could do that. <laughs> Test case. All right, Mister Hopkins, uh, Lieutenant Sir. Uh, it is uh, now your turn to uh, to present something. That that might be Captain soon. Stay tuned Ooh. for that. Not sure uh, on El that Capitan. one. Yet. Yeah, I know. I might have to change my Twitter handle. I'm not sure about that one. But uh, so Reef Mom will be so proud. I know. I know. I can't wait. Um. So I mentioned it earlier, right? 
you remember last year, guys, in the fall Talladega race when it was basically in the April too, as well, when it was too wide the entire time. And it's been like that at Atlanta and Daytona as well. And we have to really and but but last year in the fall in Talladega race, it was really tame all the way to the end. And we saw Chase Elliott win. So do you remember that weekend? And we just talked about all the safety issues. Kurt Busch, you know, when went in there or excuse me, the Kurt Busch uh, concussion fiasco, the Alex Bowman uh, concussion fiasco. And everyone went in there thinking, oh, my God, it's Talladega. It's so unsafe right now. Oh, what's going to happen? Oh, no. Like some drivers are going to get injured. And then we went to Talladega and we left and no one was nothing was nothing happened. It was totally fine. I think when it comes to the super speedway races, this too wide stuff that we're seeing is the answer that all these fans have been clamoring for to say that make these super speedway racing much more safer than what it actually was in, in the last few years. And I think, you know, everyone saying, hey, oh, the, God, this this first stage was so boring. Oh, the too wide stuff is so boring. It's like, well, you're also the same people that were complaining about how unsafe it was. This is it. You want safe racing? This is it. This is how you do it. And I, I know that's kind of ironic considering what happened with Ryan Priest and Kyle Larson. But like I said earlier, I think that's just a racing thing and that's unpreventable. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Should this double file thing, should we change the package to make it more exciting like it was in 2021 and 2020 and things like that? Or should we just make it keep it the, the way that it is right now? I think like sort of track package changes need to be made. It just feels like that it's more of a track position race than a actual like manipulation of the draft kind of race. And it's a battle of attrition and track position. Like it's all about saving fuel. Like literally like it was a, you know, three and a half hours talking about going 80% half throttle. And then like a, maybe a dash for the finish of a, a green white checkered finish. Like I, I thought the best race of the weekend was the Xfinity race. Um, and that was where you could actually manipulate the draft. Look at Austin Hill just kind of weaving through the field like he, he was. I think we still need those elements. And ultimately, I, I think it needs to be a blend of what it was in 20, 2020 and 2021 and what it is now. And and uh, I just think, you know, you're not like basically if this next gen car, like if you said, hey, our super speedways and our short pack might lack a little bit. And you'll have exciting mile and a half races. Well, the majority of the races are at the mile and a half, but now the mile and a half suck. So really, there's no point in this car anymore. And I just think changes need to be made to make the racing better than what it is. Because I'd rather see drivers win based off of their skill than ultimately than just having the right track position. That's it. That's it. What you just said. I was done with this package on pack races. When I was listening to Corey's radio, Corey LaJoy, like about halfway through, caution comes out. They're like, Corey, what do you need? And Corey's number one answer, track position. That's what I need. This is a track position race. When you say that at Talladega, a race where Earnhardt went from 18th to first at one point with the drafting package in five laps to win the race. And you're basically saying, well, if I'm 18th, maybe I'll get to 14th because it's two lanes that kind of go back and forth. I was really struck, guys, by how slow motion I felt like the draft felt watching it on Sunday because they are going, to Dalton's point, 190 miles an hour. And it just didn't feel at times like it was as aggressive as it really is in that draft because it was just two lanes going back and forth and nobody could really make any moves beyond that. you know. And I, 
look, I think changing this whole car around, I think people need to come up with realistic compromise because it's just not going to happen, especially when you have owners that are more likely to boycott than to go spend more money to start everything from scratch again when last year the car was much better than it is right now. But I think you got to come up with a little something different because to your point, the Xfinity race was a lot better. And I just think that there's not enough action in these play races. Never mind the fact that if we try to make the racing safer, to Dalton's point, what the heck happened with Larson and Priest? That was just as bad. So if we're going to have still going to have wrecks like that, and we're still going to race Talladega and Daytona, we got to do something different. I think you know, when it comes to safety, and this is what it all comes back to, you're talking about double file racing, uh, leading to more safety, Dalton. I think fans like to get up in arms about safety, but they don't actually care about it. I think that fans like, I know <laughs> this is probably not oh. a popular opinion, they <laughs> like some good old-fashioned violence in their sports. Why does Fox, what does Fox do for their commercials? Violent crash after violent crash. They don't show good racing. They show people sure. almost dying. They still show the Bobby Allison wreck where the car went into the grandstands and, and hurt people. Uh, so, yeah, they uh, they they... And what, what are people talking about? They talk about the 80s back when the drivers were good old men, real men or whatever. Uh, what? Because the threat of dying was there? People talk about the NFL, how it's soft now because they cracked down about concussions and safety and stuff. But people liked it better back when it was a more violent physical game. Uh, NBA as well. They talk about how it was more physical when Michael Jordan played. So and, and at the end of the day, every once in a while, and this is commenting more on the human condition, I guess. People have the little angel on their shoulder speak up and say, oh, they should be safer. They should be safer out there. But that big devil, that Brian Nolan on their other shoulder, is craving some violence in their life. Uh, so I <laughs> I think we got to – the next-gen car actually somehow provides the threat of danger while being boring. So it's like all of those things. <laughs> so we definitely got to make some changes. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with all you guys, honestly. Like, yes, there is a piece of me when I'm sitting there in that in that airport, uh, when I'm sitting there in that airport bar uh, on Sunday that's saying, God, this stage one, like, can somebody please try a third lane or something? Like, at least let's let's try something out, you know, but it's it's not it, it's not the racing that what turns me off. It's the reactions afterwards when we see all of these crashes. Like what? Like what was it? Uh, when when Logano flipped, which we saw, like you said, Massey in the pr- promos, uh, when Logano flipped into that crazy uh, flipping ahead of Bubba Wallace, I think it was twenty twenty one in the Auto Trader car, um, and everyone was saying, "Oh, th- and Logano came out and said these cars, this is so unsafe. Why are we doing this? I could have been killed. Things like that." And I saw all of the backlash, all of the crazy, all of these fans on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, whatever, saying how unsafe this stuff is. I'm sorry. Haven't we been doing super speedway racing since, haven't we had this type of draft racing since what? 2000, 2001. Uh, when, when they're three wide, I mean, I know they've been packed up since before that, but this is, this is arguably whether you like it or not, it's the most exciting racing we have on the entire calendar. I'm sorry if you don't like it. I'm sorry if you don't. And that's why I'm sitting here saying everyone who's saying who's concerned about the safety of the sport. If you don't, if you're still upset about this too wide stuff, like, I don't know what else you want. Do you want single file racing? Because when we did that, more people complain. You have to pick. You have to figure out which one you want. And I agree with you guys. 
I want the, I thought like the stuff in 2020 and 2021, I thought that was way more exciting. I want somebody to actually put in the effort for a win to go from 18th to first to win a race, but we can't get that now. And arguably we see less crashes because of it. I know the end of the, of the race was pretty insane and, that's because we saw some wild blocks occur and you're right that that's still that's talent but i think that's just still talladega last year at talladega in the fall was proof that we can have a super speed race that doesn't end in absolute chaos and tragedy almost so you have to pick and choose you have to figure out which one you want it's a different skill set right like it's a different skill set when you're at pack races um by the way great holding your composure dalton where the dog actively tried to make out with trey and Trey pulled a block of his own, and very distracting, but you held it together. Oh, no, I wasn't paying attention. Where is he? Yeah, he's, he's now gone. gone. Trey, Trey, oh, Trey, no. Trey said no, oh, and no. Trey's like, I'm doing a podcast, and then, yeah. I try to remain, you know, this is not a professional podcast, but I try to remain somewhat professional. All right, uh, my turn to bring a topic to discussion, and I'm going a little bit out there, and this is, you know, I might be be going crazy, but and, and just maybe the expectations I have for this team, but I think right now you look at it, I think, Pinsky is maybe the most disappointing team, you know, out there. You look at the, you know, the breakdown of it. Joey's 11th in points despite the win. Blaney hasn't won this year, is still on that long losing streak outside the all-star race where he's, he's eighth in points. And then Cindric is 18th. And then if you want to include the Wood brothers in this fold, they're 30th, you know, Harrison Burton is 30th in points. So, you know, coming off the championship, it, it feels like they have no clear, favorite in terms of contention for the title and you feel like they should have at least have two every year and it feels like they really haven't had the speed i mean joey's points are kind of skewed because he got really lucky at richmond with an, a second place finish and I, I you know i just i think honestly like maybe my expectations are too high for pinsky but i think pinsky is just you know they're they're supposed to be a super team and they're not you know they're not living up to it i, I think it comes down to forward the Fords are awful this year. I mean, I think I could run, I could go outside and start jogging, and I'd be faster than a Ford car. Uh, their only shot is super speedways and maybe road courses with Austin Cindric. I like intermediate tracks. They got nothing. I mean, they got nothing for no. Like everybody looked at Joey Logano won the pole for Vegas. Oh, watch out! He's really good at Vegas, and he is really good at Vegas. And he just dropped like an anchor the second the green flag waved. Ryan Blaney. Um, I walked under ladders and smashed mirrors and did something to a black cat or something. Uh, cause that dude has the worst bad luck. I mean, like, I, I would be, I'd be scared to walk around out during a storm if I were him, cause he would get struck by lightning four times. Uh, if he walked in a storm, uh, th that dude just has no luck at all. I mean, he really should have won the race and, uh, his best friend, decided to block him 18,000 times in a, a quarter of a lap. So, yeah, it, it, his bad luck combined with Ford's being slow. Cindric's getting better, I think, but uh, – oh, and then it's odd year Logano. Every other year, on even years, Logano makes the championship four. On the odd years, he doesn't do anything. So, yeah, it's just a combination of things, I guess. I think it's about par for the course like it was, like it was last year. I mean – Look, look at Ryan Blaney. Yeah, it's continuous bad luck for Ryan Blaney finishing second again, like not getting that win. And I wouldn't be surprised if he gets another win in the all-star race this year, just to almost, it's almost like mocking like, yeah, oh yeah, he gets a win 
in an exhibition race that's not even for points, you know. And then Austin Sendrick, who is just about has the same speed as he had last year, uh, and then in Martinsville, he was he had trouble getting by the Rick Ware racing cars. You know, this is a this is a difficult a difficult time for the team. You know, we, we keep forgetting that because Joey Logano won the championship last year, but you know they lost Brad Keselowski. They lost a lot of their top talent, and now we have uh, Austin Sindrick in the two car, and he's going to have to. He's probably going to stick around for a few years. And I mean, you know, well, his dad know, is the is the, the president of the company. And I want to add, uh, I meant Martinsville for Joey getting second, not Richmond. Go ahead, Dalton. Right, but you know, Joey Logano seems to be the only guy that can really put up the results and actually compete for a win. But even that's only every once in a while, and it's kind of like what we saw last year. Joey Logano was just really good at Phoenix last year. It just so happens. It, they were really good in the short tracks, but this year the Fords are struggling. It's like Massey said, Joey Logano on the, for some reason, the, the odd, excuse me, the odd numbered races, the odd numbered years, uh, excuse me, Joey Logano struggles. And I don't really know why that occurs, but it's obvious that he's struggling this year. I know we got that win in Atlanta, but that's only because Atlanta's super, super speedway race. The Fords are really only fast at these super speedway races this year. And it's the only time these guys are really competitive. So Pinsky's struggling. I don't see them making it very far in, in the in the playoffs this year. Yeah, I think this whole Logano thing is overblown. He already won a race. Playoffs, all bets are off. Remember, Hendrick peaked way too soon last year. So I disagree. I think that, like, you, you cut Penske in half. I think it's two and two, right? Like, if you include the Wood Brothers. You know, Logano, we'll see what he does in the playoffs because – you know, I hate to say it for a guy like him. He's already got a playoff spot. The rest of the regular season is half relevant, right? Like he's just trying to collect a couple of points to get himself well positioned for the playoffs. And then we'll see what, what they have in September. Blaney, I think the luck has been talked about. So not, I don't want to belabor the point there. Like he's a driver that just has been through the worst luck imaginable recently. And I think it's skewed to how talented he really is. Cause I think he's more talented than he's shown. Um, I, I can't imagine he's going to go three more months without winning a race. My focus is on Austin Sindrick. Pop quiz, guys. How many top fives do you think Austin Sindrick has in the last 20 races? One. One. Zero. Ooh, Pop quiz, good. guys. How many top fives do you think Sindrick has for his entire cup career outside of road courses and pack races? Oh, zero. Oh, uh, zero. He's driving say, the two car. One. He's driving the two car. The legendary Rusty Wallace. Massey knows all about Rusty. Like, this is a car that's like a Hall of Fame car. And he's got zero top five finishes in the last 20 races. And Dalton's seen him more at the airport than Austin Sindrick's been shown on TV this year. Next time Austin Wait, did you see Austin Sindrick at the airport? Twice he was on my flight. Two completely separate times. Hey, as Austin long as Ryan Blaney doesn't get on your flight. That's a, that's a bad <laughs> omen right there. If I see Ryan Blaney in my flight, I'm getting off immediately. <laughs> Austin, say hi to Dalton next time if you're listening. Come on. <laughs> so I think Austin, I think you know, within the team, what sources had told me when Austin started there, I, I sat down with somebody, uh, middle of 22, had a long conversation about this, a couple people actually, you know, because I was I was trying to trying to get a sense of what life was like there without Kozlowski. Everybody said the same thing to me. Austin's a great guy, handles everything the right way, and you know is someone that's 
part of the Penske brand and a good fit for the company, but you can't hide the fact that he's the boss's son. And if he doesn't win, everybody sits there and goes, well, is there nepotism going on here? And everybody thinks it in their head subconsciously, even if they don't actively act on it, even if they don't go in the meetings, you know, they're in their antagonistic towards Hendrick. There's like this extra what's going on here that you don't necessarily have when the nepotism isn't there. And that puts the pressure on Austin. And to be fair, Austin knows it, but he's not executing at the moment. And like, he's nowhere near playoff caliber right now. He needs to steal one on a road course or he's not getting in. I think that's clear 10 races in with the way this season is unfolding. And I think it's a big deal if he doesn't get in. It's definitely a step back. And, you know, Penske is not a team that misses the playoffs all that often. So it's something they need to take a look at. Um, And then you look at Harrison. Harrison had a really good run at Talladega, finally showed some signs of life, and then Noah turned him. Other than that, really haven't seen him much. And you hear more about who's going to be in the 21 next year than what's actually going on in the 21 this year in the garage area. And that's not a good sign for him. I think what screwed uh, Austin Sendrick up is that he was originally supposed to get in the 21 car. And Brad Keselowski leaving kind of made Penske have to shift everything around at the, I'm not saying Brad left at the, le- at the 11th hour or anything, but it's like, you know, they completely had to change the plan. I think if Cindric had started in the 21, it would have been a low, a more low profile start. Um, and he really could have you know, gotten reps, gotten experience in there and developed. Uh, instead he's in the two car and there's more eyeballs on him. Uh, and I could see him being like, you know, like Daniel Suarez, Suarez, didn't do much in great cars those first three years. Uh, but he finally, he's finally coming around now. Now, Cindric doesn't have to worry about losing his ride like Suarez did. Uh, but I, I could see him because Xfinity, he started out bad too. And then after four years of Xfinity, he was the best driver out there. Um, so I think just give the man time and he'll figure out these cup cars and get better. He's still very young. All right, we're going to introduce a fun topic to wrap up the program today. Uh, so, uh, with Aaron Rodgers being traded this week and, you know, Brian Nolan being so happy and Michael Massey faking that he's happy about it, uh, we're gonna, I'm going to propose something to all of you. If you can make one driver-for-driver driver trade, I will say it can be an Xfinity driver to a cup team. It can be a truck driver to a cup team. It can be cup to cup. What's the one move you would make? And I'll start with the boss man. Wow, put me right on the spot. So first person I think of that I think needs a trade, even though he just re-signed, Alex Bowman. I think he's always going to be number four at Hendrick. And I think he needs a better place to land to keep his career going the way he wants it to go. And the first place I think of is JGR. JGR needs to get younger, right? I know they just replaced Kyle Busch with Ty Gibbs, but I would trade Alex Bowman to Gibbs and I'd give him a shot at JGR for a little bit. And you know what? I would take Truex and I would put him over at Hendrick. It's Ooh. better in presence. It opens wow. up a lot in a year or two so that you still have development coming from JRM. If JRM's not in cup, you could put somebody in there. I mean, certainly Sam Mayer doesn't look like he's anywhere close. Topic for another day. But like you could get a driver in there when Truex wants to retire. Maybe gives Truex new life, stays like a couple more years. He's having problems with James Small. That's what I do. That's a good one. Dalton? Yeah, I mentioned this earlier, so it's kind of funny that you mentioned. I got a little scared when Tom started talking about Alex Bowman, but I wouldn't trade Alex Bowman, or excuse me, I wouldn't start with Alex Bowman. I start with Noah Gregson. Look at what he's doing with Petty, or excuse me, uh, Legacy Motor Club right now in that 42 car. 
not a whole lot. It's actually a little disappointing right now in that 42 car. So, but I don't think that's because of Noah Gregson. We have seen Noah Gregson perform very well with JRM in the Xfinity series. I think he does have the talent there. I just don't think that he has the equipment right now. And if you really want Noah Gregson to shine, it's time to trade him over to Hendrick Motorsports. You take Alex Bowman. Tom already mentioned it. He's the number four driver. I don't see Alex sticking around for that much longer after his contract expires. I think Noah Gregson goes back to where he really started uh, in the Xfinity series at a Hendrick Motorsports affiliated race team. Now he's going to be with it. Now I think he'd be in the 48 car like he was last year. And I'd like to see Noah Gregson shine in the number 48 car. I think he do, he's the kind of driver, and not to mention, it'd be so great for NASCAR's image as well. Noah Gregson's such a great guy to connect with the race fans, and that's what NASCAR desperately needs right now. So not only for the sake of Noah Gregson being successful, but only but also for the sake of having a driver put on a great image for the sport as well. Massey, what do you propose? Oh, man, these are some good ones you guys got so far. Um, the first thought is I would, if I were Rick Ware racing, I would trade, uh, Cody Ware for my bond money back. I wouldn't pay that bond. Uh, can we keep that in there? We got, I figured we need to do one dig at Cody Ware every week until he's convicted or whatever, or not convicted. Allegedly, all that stuff. Uh, allegedly. But- <laughs> allegedly is the key word. Yeah, We're not trying to get Brett Favre here. Okay. Allegedly. Yeah. Uh, Bossman is not trying to get sued. So <laughs> proven guilty. The uh, uh, the but the real trade I would do, I would do if I were Stuart Haas, I would trade Eric Amarola for Todd Gilliland and draft picks. Uh, because Todd is exceeding expectations, he probably comes with a cheaper salary with Amarola, that's why you get the draft picks with it. Um, not sure what how you use draft picks in NASCAR. Draft picks were not included in this exercise, so I don't know what (laughs) draft picks are. Uh, Um, well, that means you get to pick any driver you want to draft with, I guess. Uh, that's an Adam Cheek joke there. But, yeah, I, I would do that trade. Uh, Todd's cheaper, and he's a better driver than Eric Amarillo. He got top 10 this past week. He continues to knock out top 15s. Uh, the only reason he didn't get a top 20 at Martinsville was uh, he dropped a cylinder. Uh, otherwise, that streak would be intact. Uh, I, I, so Amarillo for Todd or Penske doing Harrison Burton for Todd. The funny thing is there were three rookies last year, right? Sendrick, Harrison Burton, and Todd Gilliland. Todd Gilliland is the best of the three by a mile. And he was like the least hyped up. Uh, so yeah, that I, I go all in on him and put him in that 21 Wood Brothers car or the 10 Smithfield car. Just tell Smithfield that um, why, why do you like Amarola so much? Let, let's, let's get a good driver in this car. So Massey sort of has taken mine. Mine is a three-team trade amongst the four teams. Oh, my God. So Front front Row Motorsports owns the rights to Zane Smith in whatever fashion they would be. So Zane Smith moves to the 12 car. Ryan Blaney gets out of the – I don't want to say the shadow of Joey Logano, but becomes the, I guess, clear number one after Kevin Harvick retires and will eventually move to the four car. And basically, in turn, we'll go to Stuart Haas Racing. Then Eric Amarola will go back 
to front row. He can stay in the cup car. They can move Todd back to the trucks and kind of reset Todd a little bit because it seems they're not fully sold on Todd as a cup series driver. So that is my three-team trade, and I think it helps Stuart Haas get their kind of ace that they desperately will need after Kevin Harvick. I think for Pinsky, you get two developmental drivers and you kind of hit sort of a reset button with, you know, the bad luck with Blaney. Maybe that gets rid of the juju for both ends. And then if you're front row, you get a, a very good experienced driver in Eric Almarola, who's good on the plate tracks, good at short tracks, and I think could bring some funding that the team needs. Nate, it's so complicated, Trey. I know. I, I just, I was uh, sitting here, th- I had to go last. So I was like, all the ideas I had kind of got used. So I had all the momentum. I was trying to have some fun. Gone. Hey, Blaney does have a 10 tattooed on him already. So but how about that? And he's a dirt, you know, is Tony Stewart likes dirt racing. Obviously, Dave Blaney, dirt race, owns a dirt track. There Return we go. Of the Buckeye Bullet. Yeah. All right. Just- that will do it. Go ahead. <laughs> well, you already you already started there, Trey. So why don't you just keep on going? <laughs> All right, that will do it for episode two of the Front Stretch Happy Hour. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, check out who's going to be our fourth rotator next week. Uh, we'll have obviously Massey will be here, Dalton will be here, and myself will be here. Tom won't be. He might cancel the show, so that means you definitely have to tune. Make sure you or follow cancel us. you. You're assuming that you're going to be here. I am. I'm assuming I'll be here. So at Trey Lyle VT, at Tom Bowles, at M underscore Massey 22, at Pit Lane LT, soon to be Pit Lane Captain. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Front Stretch Happy Hour.